Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Black Bar on Blog Talk Radio. Sit back and engage as we tackle the issues important to you and your family. It is our desire to equip you with up-to-date information, commentary, and solutions to life's biggest challenges facing our communities. Thank you for joining us as we embark on this journey to raise awareness about the importance of faith, family, and fatherhood in the African-American community and beyond. Now, here's your host, Executive Director at Fathers Incorporated, Kenneth Braswell. Good evening and welcome to the Black Bar. I'm your host, Kenneth Braswell, and we welcome you to another exciting show uh, where the conversation is always relevant to your empowerment and upliftment and where we are blessed to be a servant to you and we are appreciative of the time that you have set aside um, this evening to spend with us as we kind of... Uh, continue to relay the kinds of information that we believe that will help you be the best you in your life. And tonight we have a very special guest on our show. Her name is Dr. Penny Murray. Um, She is an awesome um, speaker and trainer, um, and she has a tour and a new book getting ready to hit the shelves and hit the airwaves around the country. And we're going to talk about that Um, We're going to talk about her work. We're going to talk about a little bit at the end of this, um, the collaboration to which we're working with with National Save Our Sons Night. But without further ado, I'm I'm going to take up less of the mic time, and I want to say good evening to Dr. Murray. How are you? I am wonderful and pleased, Penny. (laughs) Yes, I am awesome, awesome, and thank you uh, for having me on. So you are... Um, your book, um, Giving Myself Permission, um, My Journey, um, My Way, um, I want to talk about that. But before we get into that, tell me about Penny. Tell me, tell me who Penny is. Oh, well, uh, I would have to be honest. I'm stubborn. <laughs> I'm very much a future thinker because I'm always thinking about, you know, in the, in the future, how is this going to work out? Uh, if I get my heart and my mind wrapped around something, it's like pulling eye pizza to, to get me away from it. Uh, I was, I'm a very loyal person, especially to the cause. Very, very passionate about life in and of itself, Kenneth. I mean, no matter what it is, just the smallest things truly get me excited, um, and I give it my all. If somebody can, people tell me that I'm very animated, especially, you know, as a corporate trainer, uh, and as a speaker, I love, you know, telling stories, and I just really get truly, truly involved. And so I, I just, I love life, and I think my most favorite pastime is people, watching people. How do we really process things? And, you know, just figuring out what, what took you there, and just listening more so when I'm talking to people. I'm listening to the words they're using your facial expressions and things like that. So like I said, I'm, I just really get into people, and, and uh, I know that my gift is to, in getting into those people, is to get them to their, uh, what I call, their, their, their authentic best. 
Right. Now, and, and get them to their highest good. Uh, we don't do that enough. We don't look around and say, hey, is this that I'm involved in in my life or the things that I'm doing, is it for my highest good? And so I'm always trying to get people to that place of being at their highest good. So um, as I look at your work, and um, I love everything you said um, about the work that you're doing, um, I am often fascinated um, by people who have such a drive and such a passion for the work that they do. And I often ask those kinds of people this question because I'm always curious about it. And you will hear people say it. I know you've heard people say this before. Give me some of what she's drinking. (laughs) 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 Right? And so so the question for you is, um, and I know when you get up in the morning and look in the mirror, you say something to yourself. What is it that you say to yourself before you begin your day? You know what? I it's funny because on my mirror is written several messages. One is, you know, I thank God for providing for me that day. Uh but the next thing that I say instantly is protect me from even myself. Uh because sometimes, you know, as as passionate as I am, um that passion that drives to do and to be for other people can be my undoing. Mm -hmm. And so I have to always watch that. And I've had to learn to ask God to regulate that. Uh, But the next thing that's on that very mirror that I say and constantly throughout the day is that I remind myself that I am real, I'm of value, and I accept all that I am. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because, Kenneth, while people see me now, the penny that they see now is not the penny I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it has taken me years. So the book, Giving Myself Permission, um, is from my own struggle to find a sense of freedom. You ask who Penny is, one of the things that I value more than anything is my individual freedom to be authentically me. Mm. Uh, and I, I wasn't allowed to do that growing up. And so there was a lot of conditioning in what in my book I call inherited weaknesses that were passed on to me uh, from my mother's uh, own stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there was never a moment that I could actually live authentically free and me. Wow. Uh, there was not that opportunity to express myself uh, freely. So there was, as I became... Uh, an adult, that conditioning and those inherited weaknesses and inhibitions stayed with me. And so it became a struggle for me to truly accept, one, that I was of value, uh, two, that I had a purpose, uh, and that I could freely express that purpose without feeling guilt or retribution for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, it was a struggle for me. So now, every day, and I always tell people, who I am now, I I associate myself because I tell them I'm recovering from a low self-esteem. And like an addict or someone that is addicted to alcohol, when they get into recovery, they're never healed. They're always recovering. But the healing comes from the consciousness that I know what I call my chocolate cake, 
see, the devil can't get at me at all things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll never get me at gambling because I can't stand that, you know. Mm-hmm. I lose $20 and I'm upset, <laughs> you know. Uh, but he can get me in areas of wanting approval or uh, wanting the love and affection. So I, the healing comes in recognizing that mm-hmm. and recognizing where this came from. And, and how it happened. And so there's a uh, African proverb that says, when you understand the whys and the what of life, you can endure anyhow. Right. And, and you say and that's, I, a, that's very interesting that you say that. And so a couple of years ago, and we all know this story, um, I had a chance to meet and talk very extensively to Kwame Kilpatrick. Mm-hmm. Kwame Kilpatrick, for those who don't know, was the um, youngest black mayor um, ever in the country. He was the mayor of Detroit, uh, was expected to be um, very high um, in the elite of, poli- of politicians in this country yeah. um, and really um, garnered the love and affection of the city of Detroit, but somehow in the midst of that um, fell prey um, to those things um, that were his vices. And in our conversation, um, he said to me, Kenny, he says, the one thing that my enemies knew is that they could put me in a room um, full of drugs and I would walk in and walk out and not touch it. They could put mm-hmm. me in a room full of money and I would walk in and walk in and walk out and not touch it. But the one room they knew if they got me in they couldn't get me out because I could not help myself to touch, and that was in a room full of women. And he says, and that was the key that began my spiraling um, downward. How do you recognize um, your weaknesses with respect to the things in your life that really um, cause and stimulate um, the process of low self-esteem? You know, one of the things that I, I, I kind of get away from, uh, Kenny, the, the whole thing of low self-esteem uh, because it has such a negative connotation, but uh, it really comes down to my concept. It's not so much uh, about my esteem because my esteem is the result of my own self-concept. Mm. And so in my book, I tell people that what is really broken is or that there's a disconnect in how I view myself. And the only way you can do that is to get into, as I say in my book, your self-work. You have to do your self-work. That means finding out where are my emotional triggers. What am I emotionally attached to? And that emotional attachment has a lot to do with unresolved issues. Uh, you know, going back to, to, uh, to Kwame, uh, me and everybody else, and I didn't even live in Detroit, but he was on the fast track, and we were all rooting for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was so much potential there. But like I said, the devil knows your chocolate. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, his chocolate was the women. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. To get to the root of that is what did those women represent and what issues did they feed and resolve? Yeah. Yeah, and so, you, mm-hmm, go ahead, I'm sorry. That, that, that is what we all have to think about, is that in my uh, view of self, there's a, if there is uh, a gap or a deficiency, I mean, it's just like your immune system. If your immune system is deficient of certain vitamins and, 
and oxidants, uh, oxidants, or I mean the the what is it that um, um, antioxidants that are necessary to keep you healthy, mm-hmm. then you know you catch a cold and and it really works you, okay? Mm-hmm. But then there are other people whose immune systems and everything are high, and so that doesn't bother them. And it's the same way in our own self-concept, which again is the result, our self-esteem is the result of our Mm self-concept. So if we don't have a a view of appreciation for ourselves, if we don't know what it looks like to truly love and accept all that I am, uh, and I had to get to that place of accepting all that I am, meaning even my broken states and experiences, because ultimately they have created and made me the penny that I am, which is fabulous. Right. You know, there, you is, know? there is one thing um, in your bio you talked about as we're talking about self-concept. Um, typically it is a incident and or an event um, that damages our self-concept. And in your bio you talked about becoming pregnant at 16 years old. And mm-hmm. guilt and shame um, stealing both your identity and your personal value. Um, mm-hmm. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But here's the thing. Uh, again, another a proverb says that don't look where you have fallen. Look where you slipped. Now, I, again, yes, my that being pregnant at 16, and uh, actually I left home at 15, got pregnant at 16, but no, the guilt and shame behind that uh, was, you know, a factor that was regarding, you know, the question would be, how did I let myself get into a situation uh, where I'm pregnant at 16? So my self-work, it took me years to get to this, and again, the giving myself permission uh, to truly investigate that and to explore and to take responsibility of it. But the slipping happened years ago in how I was raised and um, the bitterness that my mother and grandmother passed on to me and my four sisters. So it becomes a generational passing, and we don't even know that unconsciously some things, you know, are operating in us, and we don't we don't even recognize that they're there until that most opportune time. See, they'll lay in dormant, waiting just for that moment to take hold, and that's what happened at 16. Um, it was I was so caught up in wanting to be loved and. Um, not having the, the presence of a father and a mother that was emotionally absent. Mm-hmm. So the whole goal was, I want the affection. I, I need to, to sit, have a sense of acceptance. But I never learned that I was enough for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, didn't, I didn't learn that. So my concept of self was determined by how much other people approved of me whether they liked me or not, the things that they said. So my self-concept was totally connected and plugged into the outside others or externals, and that's dangerous. Right. That is very dangerous. Yeah, in my book, um, in one of the um, episodes that took place in my life um, that actually um, stimulated um, the work that I do today, um, in my book I talk about being in a dark space. Um, and what that feels like and what that looks like um, to be in a dark space. 
And one of the things that I remember doing the most when I was in my dark space was possibly just subconsciously allowing people to jump on my self-pity bandwagon. Even real or unreal, I felt that everybody else felt the same way I felt about my guilt and shame. And mm-hmm. thus I created a burden not only to release myself from, but this self-perception, real or not, that I wanted to get. The one thing that I felt like I could not overcome was to get other people to see myself the same way I wanted to see myself. Yeah, and I talk about that in my book as well. You know, I had, I talk about it as having my own pity party. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, I literally had my pity parties down to a work of art. I would invite certain people over. You had to wear certain outfits, which was, you know, warm pajamas. Your hair had to be all over your head. I had to have a bunch of, you know, comfort food and, you know, sorrowful songs. And then, you know, we'd all sit there and impress each other with our sorrowful stories. And if somebody told a story that was, you know, worse than yours, then, of course, we'd then begin to impress each other with the sorrow. So how could you possibly um, find a sense of healing there? Uh, So so many times when we're not ready or prepared to do our self-work, we want to get people who will come to our pity party, like you said, real or not. And somehow it helps us to justify the feelings that we have. Wrong thing to do, but we don't know that at that time. Yeah, you have a great African proverb, and I've I've heard this before, and I've heard it uh, mentioned to me before, and that's the African proverb, um, when there is no enemy on the inside, the enemy is on the outside, can do you no harm. Um, It sounds very simple, but it's a very hard concept for us to get around, because oftentimes we view those enemies as our friends. Absolutely, because especially when we're in, you call it dark place, I call it bad patches. When we experience those bad patches in life, you know, we're looking for those types of people who will, you know, make us feel as though we are champions in our martyrdom. (laughs) And so we martyr ourselves, and and these people are not our friends because true friends are not going to let you stay stuck in your stuff. They might allow you a grieving period of one or two weeks, but after a while they're going to like, okay, enough of this. You're stronger than this. Mm-hmm. You're better than that. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, it's very hard when we're in that space to allow those healthier individuals to come and get us out. Because mm-hmm. at that point, all we want to do is stay, you know, in that sense of, of martyrdom and sorrow. Yeah. Uh, and so the, it's, it's very hard to uh, also to uh, know who is really in your corner, um, especially when your concept is broken. Your self-concept is broken. Who's really in my corner opposed to those people who are just hanger-oners or opportunists or they want to see me suffer like this? Mm-hmm. Uh, because because you got to think about it like this as well. Sometimes people want to keep you in that sense uh, or that bad patch or that dark side of your life because it makes them feel better than you. Mm. Um, so it feeds for, it feeds them as well. It serves an emotional purpose for them. So to see you broken, it allows them to feel better about themselves, and they can easily say, well, at least I'm not like them. Right. 
You're listening to The Black Bar. Um, I'm your host, Kenneth Braswell, and today our guest, Dr. Penny Murray. Um, and we're talking about all kinds of things, but really self-esteem and giving yourself permission and self-concept and just really knowing yourself. Um, I think, you know, Dr. Murray, Penny, I think that this is a conversation of overcoming. I think that uh, we talk about overcoming, but I don't think that people really understand what it takes um, to overcome themselves. I think that when we talk about overcoming, we always talk about overcoming something else. But this whole yeah, we're always, we're, we look at overcoming from an external perspective. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that I came to realize is that I was my own worst enemy. Mm. Uh, hence became the book, Giving Myself Permission, and I tell, you know, how I even got to that particular title. Um, and people who read the book when they first pick it up, they're going like, oh, my God, blasphemy, uh, because I really let God have it. I felt it was God's fault, and I let him have it one time in my life. And it wasn't not just that once, but several times. And in that moment, the last time that I let God have it, <laughs> it's when he gave me the title. Um, he says, it's not me, it's you. You won't give yourself permission to do anything different. Right. And it was like, oh, my gosh, uh, you talk about the wake-up call of a, of a lifetime. That was it. And instantly I began to realize how important giving myself permission to do, to succeed, um, to be the person I was meant to be. Uh, you know, and I'm a firm believer that none of us uh, can ever hear to take up space and suck up air. Just that's all our purpose is. Mm-hmm. We're here sent for purpose on purpose. Mm-hmm. And so it's our task to find out what that is and begin to live in the space of purpose. But we can't do that because we're not wanting to go and be honest with who we are. Mm-hmm. And so the only way you can get to a place of knowing the importance of giving yourself permission and overcoming anything, once we do that, to give ourselves permission to just tackle it, um, that in of itself, you, you said something really rich when you said, we want to overcome, but we don't calculate the cost of it. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And that's something, yeah, I talk about that, you know, in my book as well. Okay, what is it really? That was the first question when I finally came off of, you know, the euphoria of God saying to me, give yourself permission. Then I thought, wait a minute, hold on. What does that really mean? Mm-hmm. What is it going to cost me? What do I have to let go of? Who do I have to divorce myself from? Mm-hmm. And so be- those things became a greater challenge than anything. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because, you know, one of the things, and I'm going to ask two questions. One is, um, as I hear you as I hear you talking, um, one of the interesting things about uplifting people, particularly from the vantage point to which um, you and I are both trying to do it, and that is how much of your work is grounded in your belief in God. And so this whole notion of faith and actually believing that um, if you step out of the boat, you won't drown. Um, and having uh, an understanding that you do have a purpose um, in life. And so whether you're talking to believers or you're speaking to non-believers, the words and language that you use and concepts that you use can resonate with anyone regardless of where your base of belief stems from. How do you navigate that space? 
<laughs> you know, that's funny because uh, I was a corporate, you know, I'm a corporate trainer uh, by profession. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, standing up in front of the room teaching skills, um, that's a no-no. You cannot, you know, but I, I definitely know mm-hmm. that God is of purpose and, and he is very uh, richly in, rich in my life. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I can stand in the front of the room or discuss with anyone and come from a spiritual perspective, mm-hmm. not religion. Right. And so when I speak from a spiritual perspective of a higher calling and a higher consciousness, that resonates with anyone. Right. So I don't have to worry about, you know, uh, and especially there's times that I, what I do is I'll work in, I'll tell people all the time, is that I can't, when it comes to scripture, I can't quote you the book and the passage and all that. You know, some people, they can tell you it's in this book and this scripture number. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. But what I can do is paraphrase in real time, uh, relevant to this language, what that scripture means, you know, yeah. so, or what it's saying. And so many times uh, I will be standing in the front of the room teaching something or talking about something, and I'm talking about in corporate America. Right. And I will use a, a scripture and just say the phrase, mm-hmm. and those people who are, uh, who are familiar with it, I'll see a slight smile on their face. Others that are not, they still get a sense of enlightenment, and they see it as, wow, that was a great quote. <laughs> so <laughs> it's still there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can always represent, and, and let me just also say this, though, Kenneth. I, I, I think that a lot of times we think if we're not always carrying the Bible and beating people over the head, that they don't know that, you know, we're Christians and we love God and, and Christ is our Savior. Um, that's not necessary. You know, all you have to do is live in your purpose mm-hmm. and do the good that God has called you to do, and that in of itself is exemplary of who God is. Right. And, you know, and it's in line with what we know about the Bible. I talk about this all the time, and so, um, like you, depending on what space I am, I'll give people a little or a lot. And so, but most of the times it is just simply principles, you know, that I'm talking about. And, yes. you know, from my principle base, I'm like you, you know, I can't quote you scripture. I can't tell you where it is in the book. I know it's in there because I've read it and I've studied it, but I just can't go back and verbatim just read it off the top of my head, which is why I'm not an actor because I can't remember <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> so, but I can tell you about the movie. I just can't quote the lines. Um, but from my understanding, being very clear, um, that the Old Testament is the foundation. It is where God told us everything we needed to know um, about everything we need to know. The, two, the New Testament being the application and how you get to those things and what that right, looks like. Right, right, that right. All interpretive. And so, to your point, uh, from the spiritual perspective, the two tenets is always do you understand and know the foundation of your life and what's intended for you? And I may be up here saying one thing, but each of you in this room are going to have to apply it in a different way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to get to the same outcomes. And that outcome could be different for all of you, but the principles will work for you. Well, you know, it's funny, too, is that, you know, through my um, academic studies, uh, I had to take, uh, because I, you know, mine is in psychology, uh, is this, uh, uh, industrial and organizational psychologist. And in that, I'm required to look at all of the different 
um, facets of religion. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I look at it like this. It's like a road to success. Uh, Many different roads, one destination. Mm. Uh, And and that's just, you know, I just happen to serve and call uh, God in one name and, and serve in one particular way. But it doesn't mean someone else way that is different than mine is wrong. And so, um, you you know, still living in God, in the principle of God, is that I'm, I'm clear when he says, it's not, it's, I'm not here to judge, I'm here to uplift and enlighten. That's it. And, and I truly, Ken and I live by this factor alone, by the same yardstick you measure your brother, so shall you be measured. So I'm always thinking... God, I need a little bit more, a couple of inches more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. I ain't trying to judge you on a space that I ain't willing to have my own self judge. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was watching, um, I remember when I was watching the other day and they were talking about uh, Monopoly. And they were actually kind of talking about how um, some people. Um, take all the money that they collect from the taxes and put it under free parking, and if you land on it, you get it, and some people don't. And the argument was around, that's just made up. It's not in the rules. And the person said, all games are made up based on someone making up the rules. Who says rules can't change? (laughs) So, you know, but it's like, yeah, but the rules say... And you always kind of, I think, in our lives, you know, try to navigate the rules uh, for either our benefit or our detriment, whichever whichever one occurs. And so in life, I believe that we do that um, as well. I want to talk a little bit about the tour, about okay. the giving myself permission, uh, my journey, my way tour. Tell me a little bit about what that is and what you're trying to accomplish. Well, let me, let me first say this. Uh, the title of the book is actually Giving Myself Permission, Putting Fear and Doubt in Their Place. Mm. Um, the Giving Myself Permission, My Journey, My Way is something that, like you, um, my aunt passed uh, last September. Mm-hmm. And my aunt was the kind of woman, she died of cancer, and she was the kind of woman, very young. Uh, my, uh, my uncles and my dad tell the story about when she graduated from high school, she had a little yellow beetle bug. And she got in that bug at 19 years old, and she says, I'm leaving home, and I'm going to, you know, we lived in Kansas City, Kansas at that time. And she says, I'm going to Arkansas, I mean, to Arizona to live and to find my future. And, of course, everybody said to her, you're going to fail. You're never going to make it. You know, that's so far to drive as one woman by yourself. And it was the whole fear factor in place. And my Aunt Joyce said, it's my life. I'm going to do this my way. Mm. She got in her little bug and she drove off. Um, And that's how she lived her entire life. Very successful, uh, worked with one of the, um, she was an engineer in mobile oils and stuff like that. Very successful in her entire life. Uh, And that's the principle she lived by. She was always that beacon or example to the rest of us that, you know, yeah, you can, uh, going back to what you were saying, the foundation of life is the Old Testament, but it's, you're still living in the foundation. As long as your foundation is sure, uh, what you build on the top is always going to be, um, you know, a representative of what that foundation is. Mm-hmm. And so as long as you're working in that, in that vein of your life, you're always going to be successful. So that's how she always thought. 
Well, as I sit there in the pew on her funeral, I, I couldn't go to see the person that was in that casket. I could only remember and continue to see that vibrant, uh, jubilant woman that, you know, to the very end, I'll never forget. They, I was out of town when she, when she when the doctor said she had days, only two days to live. And she basically announced to all of us, she says, I'll die when I want to. You know, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, God, how does that work? Uh, but she did just that. She stayed, her strength and her determination uh, allowed her to stay alive long enough for all of us to get there to actually see her alive. And um, then she just simply slept away. So as I sit there, I, I saw her and I remember, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, Penny, wait a minute. God is giving you this amazing message in this book, giving myself permission, putting fear and doubt in their place. You're just sitting here hoping that something happens. How dare you? Mm. And I thought about my Aunt Joyce saying, it's my life, I'm doing it my way. But can, can, let, me, let me say this. I wasn't just sitting on there, on, on the book. I was so busy trying to uh, check the box of what everybody else said that I should do in order to get this book out. Uh, how to be known as this new author and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was, instead of doing it my own way, I was trying to follow everybody else's pattern. And that's when her voice said to me, my journey or my life, my way, and that's when it came to me, my journey, my way. We all have a significant journey that we must travel. Nobody else can do it for us. As much as we may want, and sometimes it's going to get dark, it's going to be dismal, clouds are going to happen, um, but nobody else can make that journey but you. Mm. And so I also sat there and I was like, God, I had to first apologize for God, to God for sitting and, you know, instead of trusting the internal, because I talk about it in my book, we all have internal resources that are divinely, innately given to us. We don't practice those. We're too busy looking on the outside and asking people to tell us. We ask the question, how do I do this? Oh. And I talk about it in my book that you, that's the wrong question to ask when you say, how do I do something? You are externalizing your energy and your power. When you ask the universe and God, what is it that I need to do? That, at that point in time, you're taking ownership of your purpose and your life. So we have to stop asking, how do I do this? Because, number one, it, um, you know, it disempowers you from the real energy and ownership you have, and it gives it to someone else. And it then fakes, it fools you into believing that you just don't have the chutzpah to actually get it done. Wow. Penny, thank you so much um, for this insight. I'm so glad um, that our past have crossed, and like you, I don't believe that God does anything by mistake, and so I know that there is a blessing in my meeting you, and I hope that there's a blessing for you in you meeting me, because I can see so much of the work that you're doing um, serving as a grounding for the work that is in front of me, um, particularly around family, because that's where my space is. That's where, that's Mm -hmm. my lane. My lane is to take this conversation we're having and how do I use it um, to empower people to strengthen their families, uh, whether they happen to be fathers, whether they happen to be mothers, whether they happen to be children, uncle, aunties, cousins, whatever. 
um, how do I give people the kinds of information um, that will help them discover um, their passion um, so that they can get in line with their purpose so that God has the permission to set their position. And so mm-hmm. that's the work um, that is in front of me, and I'm so grateful um, to have you on the line today. Um, can you just briefly tell people how to get in touch with you? Oh, that's easy. PennyMurray.com. <laughs> uh, and it's Penny, as, and it's spelled P-E-N-N-I-E-M-U-R-R-A-Y.com. Um, and uh, I'm just a very transparent uh, person, and everything is there. Um, it's, you know, uh, the schedule that I have planned for, the giving myself permission, my journey, my way. Uh, our journey is not easy, but it's still ours to take. And so I'm just here uh, and like you, I said, God, what am I supposed to do with this? Mm-hmm. You've given me this, so what do I do to help people to embrace this? And I realize, and I have to tell people all the time, that giving yourself permission is the prerequisite for anything you want to achieve in your life. If you don't give yourself permission first, it just doesn't matter. Uh, you're spinning your wheels. So, but they can go to giving myself permission um, you know, I, I'm on Facebook at Giving Myself Permission, uh, so and Penny Murray at Facebook, and I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn. So I have all those social medias. I'm going to be honest, I hate them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's necessary. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm amazed at how much time I spend throughout my day just keeping my social media platform current. I, I know. They're so consuming. I hate it. But it's a necessary evil, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, um, fortunately or unfortunately, depending how you look at it, it is the way that people communicate today. Uh, yeah, you know what, and I had to get to that. I had to get to to say that. I mean, I always tell people, yes, you know, stop saying I don't like it, I don't like it, I can't do it, I can't do it. You know, you start trying to find one thing that, you know, aligns with your core value and your core purpose. And then that in of itself will make you love it. (laughs) Absolutely. So thank you again. And um, my audience, my Black Bar audience, will be hearing much more um, from Penny Murray as we kind of really have this conversation uh, on a a number of topic matters uh, with respect to um, giving yourself permission to be everything you can be and overcoming yourself. Um, as an obstacle to do so. So, uh, Dr. Penny Murray, Penny, thank you so much. Do you have anything else, last thing to say? Well, you know, just real quick, I just I want to say that I so appreciate you uh, bringing me on board as a, a partner in what you're doing uh, because this is something that I truly believe in, the impact uh, that fathers have on their family, mm-hmm. on their community. Mm-hmm. and giving themselves permission to own uh, that right and that place to be that vital uh, energy in that family is, is critical. It's mm-hmm. critical for our entire universe right now. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I appreciate you, you know, because normally, you know, an organization like you would be looking at another bigger organization. Mm-hmm. And I'm just a, an author and a speaker, uh, you know, a one-person show, and you said, hey, yes, we can use you as a partner. So I appreciate that. Oh, no, we, um, you know, God has made it very clear uh, where my working base is. Um, and that working base is exactly where I am and where I was. 
um, in understanding that you can get to all kinds of places, um, but there is one person who's out there um, not connected to anybody who's looking for someone to listen to their story or mm. to hear um, their situation or their condition. And he reminds me of that almost every day, but sometimes it's every other day, but he reminds me every day how critical it is for me to stay close to the ground um, because yeah. folks are in serious need in our community, um, in our society overall. But, you know, I make no bones about, you know, my desire um, to specifically um, do the work that is necessary for black families in this country. Um, my Absolutely. love and my passion is for fathers and for men because I know how much work we need. Um, but at the end of the day, um, my work is about uplifting and empowering black families um, because we have just been overlooked and continuously so, um, even in eras of our prosperity. And so, right. um, you know, every day I get an email or a telephone call or a text message or a something from some dad or some mom or some kid who is struggling mightily in their personal life, and they're just looking for someone to hear them and give them the kind of advice that is going to get them to move on to another day. And I don't Absolutely. know how many people I have touched. It doesn't matter. I'm sure when I get to heaven, God will tell me because um, I'm going to ask him. <laughs> but at this, <laughs> you know, but at this juncture in the and Ken, and Kenny, you're hoping he'll say, "Son, I don't. I lost count myself." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is the answer that I'm looking for. Yes, um, yes. Well, in the meantime, you know my. Uh, my my calling is simply this, Penny, and it is speak to the hearts of men. Um, and oh, that I love it. is my passion. That is where he told me I will make a mark and a change in this world and move the needle um, because the key in um, uplifting our families lies securely in the hearts of men. Um, and if I can change the hearts of men, I can change how men think. And if I can change how men think, I can change what men do. But in order for me to do that, I have to speak directly to their hearts. And so yes. that is the work before me. Well, I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm, I, it was just an opportunity for me. I cannot say it enough to be a part of it. And I know uh, I hesitated for a long time saying, should I be a part of this? Because, you know, I'm a woman. What can I actually say to a man? Mm. Um, and then God said to me, wait a minute, the things that they're dealing with are at an emotional level. Who better to talk to them than the creation of my emotion? Mm. And that's the woman. Absolutely. So um, I found, you know, solace in saying, uh, yes, I'm going to do this and I want to host this for your effort. Mm. I am just very proud to be a part of it. I want you to know that. Thank you so much. God bless you, um, Penny. And we'll be talking um, very, very soon and very, very frequently. You have a blessed day. Thank you. All right. You've been listening to The Black Bar on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Kenneth Braswell. Thank you for joining us as we continue to bring you the best in provocative, stimulating, and empowering dialogue. If you would like to support or learn more information about Fathers Incorporated, visit us at www.fathersincorporated.com, on Twitter at F-A-T-H-E-R-S-I-N-C-O-R-P, and follow us on Facebook at Fathers Incorporated. 
Remember, your self-sacrificing devotion to your purpose in life and your unwavering faith will carry you through the times of difficulty. Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King. Until next time, be wonderfully and abundantly blessed. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.